Amen. Let's go in our Bibles to the book of Zechariah. We're back in Zechariah after having taken a little bit over a month-long break. And uh, so we'll review a little bit and dive back in. Our theme for the year has been Faithful in the Work, which is taken from Haggai 2.4. We preached through Haggai first. Now we're going to Zechariah. These two books written by two prophets that ministered side by side, or at least their ministries overlapped a bit. Uh, as they were ministering to uh, Israel that had just been released from captivity in Babylon. Haggai 2.4 says, Yet now be strong. And then the verse finishes, And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. It is he who enables us to be faithful, to be strong, to work, because he is with us. They had languished, and they had stopped building the temple. And now Haggai and Zechariah are saying, be strong and work. The, the foundations had sat idle for 15 years or thereabouts. And now Zechariah comes to encourage the people. And he begins with eight visions. These visions were to rekindle their faith and spur them to finish the work on the temple. That the people would be destroyed, the enemies dealt with, the city built, the people cleansed, empowered, God would deal with the sinner. And all the way through this book, you have the assurance of the kingdom. These visions, a little bit abstract, but nonetheless have very clear practical truth that God used to encourage these individuals to get back to work and build the temple. And I trust that God has encouraged us to stay faithful in the work that he has called us to and what we are building. Chapter 7 and 8, there was a question that arose about fasting. And a twofold response came back in chapter 7. It was a, a rebuke for their ritualism as opposed to a real relationship. And then in chapter 8, there was encouragement about the, the promises to the kingdom. And we saw those. There'd be a recompense, a return, a repose. It would be remarkable. They would be regathered. They would be remembered. And he would regard them. There'd be rejoicing, reverence, and he would restore the reputation. Sorry to rush through that. Just hitting the tops as we are reviewing where we've been. Then we left off in chapter 9 with a tale of two greats. And this was an interesting passage as we explored the prophecy that had uh, a, a specific detailed layout of Alexander the Great and what he would do. And, and uh, history lines up with exactly what Zechariah 9 said would happen. Although Alexander the Great was not named, he is in Zechariah 9, no doubt about it. And why is that important? Well, I said it's a tale of two greats. There was Alexander the Great, and then there is our great Savior who's mentioned. And as we know that God's prophecy worked with Alexander, we also know that God's prophecy will be true with our great Savior when Jesus came, the first coming that was predicted in Zechariah 9, and also his second coming. And we continue to look with faith, and his word helps feed that faith. God's word is alive Prophecy is real. Prophecy is true. And Zechariah helps us with, us with that. We come to chapter 10. And that's where we are this morning. We'll be looking at reign and redemption. We'll break this message up at least into two parts. We won't get the whole thing uh, today. We'll probably just be in verse 1 for today. And then we'll work on from there uh, in, in the next week or two. Uh, but the title is Reign and Redemption. And we'll dive in in verse 1 and read through verse 12. Ask ye of the Lord, rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. For the idols have spoken vanity, and the diviners have seen a lie and have told false dreams. They comfort in vain, therefore they went their way as a flock. <clears throat> they were troubled because there was no shepherd. Mine anger was kindled against the shepherds, and I punished the goats. For the Lord of hosts hath visited his flock, the house of Judah, and hath made them as his goodly horse in the battle. Out of him came forth the corner, out of him the nail, out of him the battle bow, out of him every oppressor together. And they shall be as mighty men which tread down their enemies in the mire of the streets in the battle, and they shall fight <clears throat> because the Lord is with them, and the riders on horses shall be confounded, and I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. 
and I will bring them again to place them. For I have mercy upon them, and they shall be as though I had not cast them off. For I am the Lord their God, and will hear, hear them. And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their heart shall rejoice as through wine. Yea, their children shall see it and be glad. Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. I will hiss for them. I have to stop there and just tell you what this word hiss means because we think of hissing as uh, something we would do maybe, you know, if you're trying to keep someone away, you know, know, hissing today by our American understanding is not a inviting thing, but the word hiss in the Hebrew and to a Jew is the idea of a whistle. You are, you're calling Uh, and we'll talk more about that next week, but I don't want to steal all my thunder, but you need to have that at least for now. I will hiss for them and gather them. So that goes together, okay? He is whistling for them. He is gathering them. He's calling them back, for I have redeemed them. And they shall increase as they have increased, and I will sow them among the people, and they shall remember me in far countries, and they shall live with their children and turn again. I will bring them again also out of the land of Egypt and gather them out of Assyria. And I will bring them into the land of Gilead and Lebanon and place shall not be found for them. We stop there as well. That could be confusing. What's the point of him gathering them and calling for them if when he gets them all together, he doesn't have a place for them? The idea is there's no place big enough for them. They will overflow. In other words, they're going to be so blessed, they will have increased so much, there will be no place large enough for them. That's the idea. Wow. And he shall pass through the sea with affliction and shall smite the waves in the sea. And all the deeps of the river shall dry up and the pride of Assyria shall be brought down and the scepter of Egypt shall depart away. And I will strengthen them in the Lord, and they shall walk up and down in his name, saith the Lord. I want to jump ahead into that second half, uh, but that'll have to be next week. But this is a powerful passage about redemption. You saw that word uh, come up in verse 8, I will gather them for I have redeemed them and they shall increase. This is a powerful passage about redemption. He is speaking about the redemption of a people, in a sense, a corporate redemption. Each individual has to come to Christ one individual at a time, but there is a sense in which the nation of Israel, he will restore them. He has real promises for them. And again, I, I don't know how people can read the Bible honestly and believe that God is done with Israel. I don't know how you read this. It said, They shall be as though I had not cast them off. How do you get around that and say that God has no more plans for Israel? Uh, The word of God is so clear. And also I would say another question, not just how how do you come to that conclusion despite the scriptures, but I would also ask, why would you want to? If God can cast off Israel, he can cast off you. He can cast off me. We're no better than Israel. We have had so many failings and fallings, we can't even count them all. But that'll be next week's message. The title of this message is Rain and Redemption. It starts with rain. God blessing his people. Why? Because he redeemed them and he blesses those that he redeems. Rain is this is this, uh, this idea in the Bible of God's blessing. So let's start today with the petition for rain, and then next week we'll look secondly at the promise of redemption. The promise of redemption. But we'll start with the petition for rain. Back to verse 1. <clears throat> Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to everyone grass in the field. So much has been written about this verse. You really ought to go study it on your own. My scholarship is unworthy 
There's a lot has been written, a lot has been said, so many commentators. I was preparing for this message and I said, wow, uh, there's a lot here. Brother John and I talked about it a little bit on Wednesday and, and he has a great message. You should go Google John Van Geldren, Zechariah 10. There we go, a little plug for Brother John. And you can find, he has a message on, on this as well. Uh, but I, I tell you, it is, it is helpful for us to consider what does God want of us when he's telling us to ask for rain? What does this mean? And how can we apply it? Rain in the Bible has always been associated with blessing. It's also been associated with revival. As, as you have parched land and then rain comes and the cracks now become mud and then out come this new life, right? This, this revival. And that's the, kind of the imagery we use for revival. New life or, or uh, you know, uh, life again. And, and uh, Isaiah 44, 3 is another great passage. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon him. And, and we see that in a corporate sense. We see it in an individual sense. But rain in the Bible has always been associated with God's blessing. And specifically here, we're dealing with God's blessing to his people. And as in the rest of the book, there is both a physical and a spiritual reality to the matter of rain. Uh, you saw this as we've gone through the book of Zechariah. There would be a prophecy that would have a future fulfillment, but also a present fulfillment. If you've been in this series with us, you have seen this over and over and over and over. He, he, he mentions something that's going to take place for those people right there as kind of a foretaste of what he's going to do in the millennial kingdom or thereabouts. So it's been asked, is this talking about literal rain or spiritual rain? Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain, so the Lord shall make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. Is it talking about literal rain or, or spiritual rain? And I would say both. There was the promise of literal rain, but it was also to be an illustration of what he was going to do in a, as far as a spiritual truth. So let's look first at the literal aspect of this. He speaks of the former and the latter rain, and you see this also many other times in the Scripture. Jeremiah 5, 24, Neither say I they in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God that giveth rain, both the former and the latter, in his season. He reserveth unto us the appointed weeks of the harvest. So the former and latter rain is from God. It's blessing from God. Joel 2, 23, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. The former rain, that's the early rain. The latter rain, that is the later rain. So let's talk about this. We Midwesterners know about the seasons. By the way, not everybody knows about the seasons. Did you know that? Did you know that not everybody has four seasons? Yeah, that is the, that is the truth. We have four seasons, so this is a great place to be. Um, and we talk about winter, spring, summer, fall. We all know exactly what we're talking about. Well, when they talk about the former rain and the latter rain, they knew exactly what they were talking about. That was their life. That's how they drew it up. They had a former rain, they had a latter rain, and they had a dry spell where nothing ever grew and uh, if you uh, have ever been to Israel, I have not, or you've seen pictures, you know there's a lot of desert around there. And there is some rain in times, but when it's not rainy season, there is no rain whatsoever. I'll read a little bit from one author. There was the former and the latter rain. Uh, the former rain was in autumn, a little before or about seed time. The latter was in spring, a little before harvest, which is here referred to. Uh, and between, uh, other than those rains, there was seldom any other rain. So there was the, the former rain, there would be some little, little showers in between, okay, and then the latter rain, but then there was just dry, dry spell. That was it. Uh, he said you could expect by June, July, there would never be a drop of rain. And he goes on in a lot more detail given about that. But the bottom line there is uh, they expected the rain to come in this season, they did not expect it to come 
otherwise. In 1 Samuel 12, 17, uh, it says, Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, Samuel saying this, and he shall send thunder and rain that ye may perceive and that ye see that your wickedness is great, which ye have done in the sight of the Lord and asking you a king. What was this about? Long story, we're just jumping into it. But Samuel said, uh, Today I'm going to send thunder and rain when it wasn't rainy season. Rain is almost always a picture of blessing in the Bible, but there are a couple exceptions, and this was one of them, where God says, I'm going to send the rain at your harvest, and the rain destroyed the harvest. That was a, a, a time where he was trying to get a hold of them, get their attention, because they had sinned against him, and asking for a king, they did not want him to be their king. In other words, they did not expect rain at that time of the year. <clears throat> this was de- a, de- a dependable cycle. This was very regular, you might say routine, normal, for rain to come in the former and the latter rain. When the rain came in the former rain, it would make the ground moist and pliable so that they could plow and they could get the seed in the ground. Without the former rain, they could never even get through the the earth. It would be as hard as concrete and the seeds would not sprout. Without the latter rain, just before harvest, when everything is just starting to come out and ready, be ready for harvest, without that latter rain, uh, there wouldn't be enough energy and, and, and all of the fruit would wilt and they would, they would come just short of having a harvest. These were very, very important for their life and, and for uh, their, their livelihood. Let's just break down a few things here as we're looking at this very literally. What is it talking about? So it's talking about real rain uh, and also real clouds, bright clouds you see there in Zechariah 10.1. What's, what are we talking about here? Lightning and thunder, a, a real fireworks show made by God in the heavens. How many of you like a good thunderstorm? Anybody like that? You, we have a lot of you. Okay, my wife is like that. It'll be lightning and thunder and crazy. And my kids and I are inside hiding. And my wife is out there like, wow, this is amazing. This is great. Uh, it is pretty spectacular. Uh, if you're into that, uh, and this has been interpreted all sorts of different ways. As I got into this message and preparing it, I, 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 it was amazing how much has been said about all of this. And I'm not going to go down all of those trails. <clears throat> Some people are, are, have said that the bright clouds are referring to the fiery preachers of the church age. I, I don't know about all that. Okay, yeah, do your own study. Uh, it's very picturesque and you can go a lot of different ways with it. I'm just taking it very literally at this point. We're looking at literal rain, right? Literal clouds. What's it talking about? God is going to bring in a real, uh, a real storm. And not, just, not just a little shower, but something that's going to really provide what they need. And you see that in the very next word. And give them showers of rain. This is a different word than that first word we saw, which is just a rain shower. When, we'd go to, when we were in Ireland, you'd be walking along and there'd be this mist, just a, a, solid, a, just a steady mist. And uh, the greeting on that day would be, soft day, okay? That's what they'd say. You'd walk away, soft day, all right? Just a soft rain. Uh, well, that, it didn't do that much. But this word is, uh, is definitely different. This word shower is the idea of a heavy, productive plentiful rain, a gully washer. But on the other hand, as one author that I read pointed out, not so torrential as to do damage. Because again, this was to be a blessing. This was not uh, a destructive rain. It was a heavy, fruitful, plentiful rain. So God's promising, you ask for rain, and I'm going to give you rain and a, a, a light show to go with it, and it's going to be everything you need, and it's going to produce something. This is so important, and we'll talk about this more in a moment, but for now, just suffice it to say, this will produce a plenteous harvest to everyone, grass in the field. Healthy cattle equals healthy people. We don't eat the grass, but we eat the cows that eat the grass. I do anyway. Uh, Whatever you do is between you and your fork. But uh, I'm all about it, man. I like that grass-fed beef, 
And he said, I'm going to give you lots of, of rain and, and the cattle are going to be healthy and you're going to be healthy and it's going to be great. So what is this all about for these people? Well, as far as the prophetical aspect of this literal rain, there is going to be a rain in the millennial kingdom such as Israel has never seen. We'll see this in Isaiah 35 verse 1. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with the joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given unto it. The excellency of Carmel and Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord and the excellency of our God. The wilderness and the desert will blossom. One day there will be a literal kingdom. Israel will be literally regathered. Jesus will literally reign. And he's not going to reign in a desert, folks. I don't know what you picture when you picture the millennial kingdom and, and Christ sets up his throne on earth and you picture the arid desert. My parents went overseas to, the, to the Israel for their 40th anniversary. They came back with a lot of pictures and I tell you what, it was a lot of desert dry. When you think of the millennial kingdom, do not think of that. Think of a desert that bursts forth with, with blossoms and, and green because of the literal rain that will come. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Some, some amazing things are going to happen. The eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame man shall leap as a heart, that's a deer. The tongue of the dumb will sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out, and streams in the desert, and the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water, and the habitation of dragons where each lay shall grass with reeds and rushes. God will pour out a real rain, and in the kingdom we're going to have, it's going to be amazing. People getting healed, and, and, and God's presence, and a lush, beautiful land, and health. God does plan to bless Israel. And again, I don't see how you can get around it. And when God plans to bless his people, they will be blessed. So many have tried to curse Israel. So many have tried to, uh, oh, uh, upend what God has set in stone. Make sure as a Christian that you find yourself on the right side of this one. Uh, I believe that we as Americans are blessed in part because of our relationship to Israel and that we have been a friend to Israel. If that ever ceases, you just wait and see what happens to this country. Uh, we are nothing special. We are special in Christ. Christ is special. And as we are rightly, rightly related to him and also treating his people right, uh, I can't help but think that's a good thing. So many people have tried to curse Israel. You know, Balaam tried to curse Israel three times, and every time he opened his mouth, he blessed them. That's got to be frustrating. You're trying to say something, and it comes out wrong every single time. That has been, that, that, it hasn't stopped there. It has been the story ever since Balaam. Everyone who has tried to curse them has ended up blessing them. And I, I am grieved, and I'll say more about this next week, but I am grieved to see more and more Christians who are, who are misunderstanding verses and, and having certain theological bents, certain theological grids that they place over the Scripture that have turned their hearts away from Israel. It's a mistake. And I want to make sure I'm on the right side of all of this because Isaiah 35 is a beautiful picture. This is coming. This is what God wants to do. And if God wants to do it, I want to be there with him. There is a literal blessing for God's people and we get a chance to participate in that. But there's also a spiritual aspect to this. Let's just think quickly and I want to make some applications. Let's think quickly through some spiritual applications of this, of this idea of rain, the imagery of rain. And you see it, in, an, in, a, in the imagery in, in Hosea 6.3 as well. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. Now that, that it says the key word there is as. So the, 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 the Lord is using this as an imagery to describe something. In this case, it's the Lord's coming. He's gonna come to us as the latter and former rain. Well, we know Christ came 
well, came once, he's coming again the second time. Uh, and he, he, so, so you can see this is not necessarily a literal instance of rain, but saying he's coming as the rain. He's using something that they were very familiar with, this, this rainy season, the early rain, the late lane rain, and, and saying Jesus is going to be like that. God's outpoured blessing is likened unto rain. Blessing of any kind is likened to rain. Christ's presence is likened unto rain. Revival, as I mentioned, is likened unto rain. And rain is his to give or to withhold. And you see it geographically in a physical sense. There are areas that are parched. There's areas that it's plentiful. But Isaiah, Zechariah 14, 17 says, It shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto, the, unto Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, even upon them comes no rain. There shall be no rain. God has the ability and the right to give what rain or to withhold it in a physical sense and in a spiritual sense. He can give revival or he can withhold. He can give a blessing or he can withhold. What we need to, to do, and I'll say more about this towards the end of the message, but we need to make sure that we are seeking the blesser, not just the blessing. Seek the one who gives the rain, the giver. And I think for so many, we get, uh, we get off on that. We just want what God can give us, and we need to do it this way and, and this time frame, or we're upset. No, you see in Zechariah 14, 17, the important thing was that they were rightly related to him. And the rain will take care of itself as you're asking and trusting a couple other things about, about rain. The amount of blessing is also entirely at God's discretion. This can puzzle us at times. Uh, Job 37, 6, For he saith to the snow, Be thou on the earth, likewise to the small rain, and to the great rain of his strength. There are sometimes a small rain. Sometimes there's a great rain. There's times I prayed for a great rain and got a small rain. You know, there's times, uh, and whoever prays for snow? All kids do, I guess. Kids pray for snow. But, uh, uh, you know, all of this is in God's, in God's hands, and, and he sometimes gives more and sometimes less. In evangelism, I'll talk more of this as we go, but in evangelism, I, I found it hard not to compare my rain to other people's rain. We'd have these big evangelistic outreaches and we'd do the, all these things and sometimes I felt like all we got was a couple of, of drops and there should have been more than that and over there I heard of so-and-so and he's getting more rain than me what's going on well the truth is uh, there's a lot of dynamics to that some we don't understand some that we we do have a part in uh, but I, I did have to learn to be content with the rain that God gave God has so many reasons and to rejoice in the rain that God gives, and to rejoice in the rain that God gives to another. Especially that's hard when they're getting way more rain than I'm getting at this time in my life or in my ministry. But God, God uh, designates also and directs this blessing. And he does it in ways that we don't always see as fair. Look at Matthew 5, 45, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. There are times where God sends rain a direction that we don't think it should go. That guy doesn't deserve it. That guy is not just. He's, in fact, he's unjust. And Well, how can God be blessing that church? They don't do things right over there. How can God bless that church? They got compromised and this and that and the other thing and, and he's sending rain over there, it would seem. You know, God sees it differently than we do. Maybe they are compromised. Maybe they are doing things wrong and maybe, maybe God's just merciful because God does send rain on the just and on the unjust. He does it in a physical sense. How many wicked, wicked people get rain on their crops? Same as you. They eat a bountiful meal, same as you, and you're thinking, how can God bless them and not bless me? Wait a minute. This is something we ought, we ought to actually get excited about, that God is so merciful that he will send rain on the just and the unjust, and if he didn't, he never would have sent it on you in the first place. God designates this blessing and directs this blessing and oftentimes does it in a way that confuses us 
But we need to ask ourselves this, what's, what's, what's my responsibility here? According to this passage, God's blessing is specifically rewarded to those that ask. Ask ye of the Lord reign. Matthew 7 verse 8 says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. That doesn't sound that hard. And many times we, we are, are, are complicating what God says may just be as simple as asking. And many times we do everything but ask. That's what James told us in James 4.2. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. So many things we try to do to gain some kind of blessing from God, and God says, have you prayed about this? Have you asked? Uh, the, the thing that is most encouraging to me about Zechariah chapter 10, verse 1, is that his instructions to you and I are simple. And they're pretty easy to do. And as far as I can tell, anybody can do it. You can pray and ask the Lord just as easily as I can or anybody else. And as we do it, again, remember that we're not just seeking blessing. As I mentioned, we're seeking Him. Hosea 6.3 he says, his going forth is prepared as the morning and he shall come unto us as the rain and as the latter and former rain under the earth. Okay, don't just pray for rain, pray for him. He is as the, la- the latter and former rain. Pray for him, pray for his presence. Don't just pray for his power. His power comes with his presence. Now, don't just seek an experience. Experiences are great. I love a good sensation. (laughs) I love a good experience. But if he gets lost in the experience, then all you have is something that comes and goes. Experiences can be very short-lived. Seek him and leave the extent of the experience up to him. I think we're going to see this as we get into this further. Why, or I'm sorry, uh, as we consider this, look at verse 1 and ask yourself this. When were they to ask for rain? When were they to ask for rain? And, And what does this mean for us today? When are we to ask for rain? And how are we to ask for rain? God's blessing, God's presence in our lives. My journey on this topic has been Oh, I, I, sometimes frustrating. And I, Brother John and I have talked quite a bit about this. Uh, it is hard to keep my own flesh in check when I'm praying for revival or praying for rain. I'll go back to my evangelism days. I mentioned that uh, reference at a moment ago. It was just very, very, very difficult for me to be content with the rain God sent. It was very difficult for me not to compare with other people, with what God's doing with others. And it got very, very hard for me not to be more uh, infatuated with the blessing and lose sight of the blesser. The passage here is very simple. It says, ask for rain in the time of latter rain. I don't want to get ahead of myself, so let's start with with. That, that phrase, uh, in the time of the latter rain. If you are a Jew who's getting this for the first time, and you're seeing this for the first time, how would you read this? Now, as I studied it again, uh, it was like mind blown as far as all that has been written about this passage and all of the possible implications and people figuring out what's the latter rain, the former rain, and and maybe tying it to key events and all sorts of stuff. A lot of cool stuff. But I'm over my head, okay? I'm more of a simple guy, and I got to just take it with what I can handle. And here's where I'm at with it. I just want to take it for what they would have thought when they heard this the first time. If you're a Jew, and Zacharias says, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain. Let me just tell you, That would not have seemed uh, like a hard thing to do 
because the latter rain is very predictable. Rainy season, they know about rainy season. They know about dry season. In fact, it might be a little bit weird for them, for him to say, for them to say, ask for rain in the time of latter rain, because don't you expect rain in rainy season? It's like it's like asking for uh, presents on your birthday or whatever. You, you, if you're a kid, you have a birthday, you have presents. That's just what happens. I don't need to ask; it just kind of happens. Uh, it's like asking for it to be hot in summer and snow in winter, and rain in spring. And Lord, please help the leaves to fall in autumn. I don't know, you, you might hear this the first time and be a little bit taken back, like, what is this about? Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain. And I think God was telling his people in this time, and in this day, I don't want you to take anything for granted. I don't want you to think that anything just always comes around. I don't want you to think that routines, as regular and dependable as those routines may be, I don't want you to think for a moment that that routine is not dependent upon me. Who makes the seasons come one right after the next? You don't have to be a scientist or a, or a, or a uh, weatherman to figure this out. God does it, folks. He holds everything in his hand. He holds all the atoms together. And the things that we attribute to science and all this other stuff, everything works its way back to God. There is actually nothing that can be taken for granted. This was a regular everyday occurrence that there would be a former rain, a latter rain. So I want to say this as an application. First of all, I want you to see asking for rain isn't just about asking for something uh, big and amazing and, and over the top. Something you've never seen before. It's about asking for what we take for granted every day and making sure that we are keeping God at the center of it all. Not losing our dependence upon him as the source, as the author, as the sustainer, as everything. It is easy for us to think that we need God for some great big thing, and we don't need him for the regular things. These folks listened as Zechariah or someone read Zechariah to them, ask you the Lord rain in the time of latter rain. And I'm sure they could have said, why do we need to do that? After all, it's the time of latter rain. That's where you got off. That's what got you into exile. You can do it on your own. Look, mom, no hands. I got it under control. I can do it myself. I'm a big kid now. We love to be independent. We love to be able to do our own thing. And there's so much that we have just taken for granted and we act as though we don't need God in it anymore. You know, I think we take for granted our health quite a, quite a bit. That's why God allows us to have health problems. That's why God will touch you every now and then. Because it's the only way to really appreciate something is to lose it. I've had back trouble. Oh, back trouble can be debilitating. You know, you get up, oh, it hurts to get up. I got to put my socks on. You know how hard it can be to put your socks on when your back hurts? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not that old. I'm not as young as I was, but I'm, I'm still technically in my 30s. I'm 39 years old. And uh, it wasn't too long ago I had a back problem. I could not even get my socks on. It just kind of slows you down. It makes you think, what in the world? I can't get my socks on. There's a lot of people who can't get their, their socks on. They've learned to be grateful for their health. Lord, I need you to be healthy. I need you to have strength. I need you for the energy and the vitality to do what you called me to do. Lord, I need you every day. Every breath is from you. Everything I have is from you. I don't want to take anything for granted. I need to make sure I recognize that my financial provision is from him. Don't take that for granted. You get up every morning, you go to your work, the work is always there until it's not. 
There's an economic crisis. That, that we've had some of that this year and last year. We never saw any of this coming. Coronavirus took us all uh, by surprise, and all of a sudden, the world can get turned upside down. We're seeing it more and more, just how quickly things can change. Ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain. Uh, it, 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 when, when you would expect, we, we had winter, summer, fall, you, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, winter, spring, summer, fall. Got to get that right. Well, the next season just comes. Keep God in the center of it all. Lord, we need you for our health. We need you for our families. I like to do devotions out of Zechariah since I'm preaching out of it with my family for family devotions. Also, it helps the kids get a little bit longer shelf life on the message. It will break it down before I preach it all week long. And I tell them what to listen for, and then I quiz them. So Sunday afternoon, this, they're going to get quizzed. So you pray for my kids. Uh, but we've been breaking this down, and I've been asking them, what are the things that we take for granted? Just listening to them. Very interesting. And sometimes we take people for granted, family for granted. And, and, and so much is just, just mere routine. And folks, if we're not careful, we become a godless moralist who goes to church and does all these things, but, but we, we do not need God in the center of it at all. You know, it would have been much more impressive for God to tell them to ask for rain in the dry season. Hey, now that'd be something else. No, that wasn't it. He wanted them to depend upon him for what they thought they had under control in that which they thought was routine to stay desperate for God even when it looked like the situation was not desperate at all. You know, why is this so important? It'll keep your focus where it's supposed to be, on Him, not just chasing what He provides. That's been my struggle of my journey. Oh, God, give this. Oh, God, do that. God, do something huge! And I take him for granted in all the daily little things of life. Asking for rain is not just about asking for the, the super amazing big things, though we can certainly ask for that. It's asking for him in everything. But also another application here, asking for rain is, simply put, it's about asking for rain and leaving the bright clouds and the showers up to him. Look at the verse. Ask ye of the Lord lightning and thunder and humongous gully washers. Actually, it's not how it read. It's not how it read. And I'm very glad it doesn't read that way. It's simpler than that. Ask of the Lord rain in the time of latter rain and then set back and God takes it from there. From the word so to the very end, you and I are done. Well, we're not done. We're still praying. We always pray. Our part goes to the semicolon, okay? The word rain. His part goes to the rest of the verse. And it's great to see what he does. Showers of rain, bright clouds. Those of you who like a good uh, lightning show, here it is. God can do that. But here's the, the, the trick, at least for me. I can get caught up asking for the gully washers and the lightning and the thunder. I love thunder. I do love thunder. I like big, loud booms. When we had fireworks as a kid, we lived across the street from the baseball field where they set off the fireworks. We lived in those, one of the small redneck towns where like 75% of the village budget went for fireworks. You know, it was crazy. And people would drive from miles around and they would camp out all day long to get their spot. We lived across the street. We wouldn't have to camp out. We'd wait till the five minutes before and walk all the way down to where the guys were shooting them off. We would set up right by that little red fence. They'd keep you out with that little orange, that orange caution fence. I'd lay down because I, I wanted to feel it. I sometimes would watch fireworks with my eyes closed. I just liked the boom. You know, the louder the better. You know, I, 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 I still see even in a spiritual sense, I want to feel it. 
I want it to be big. I want it to be huge. It's got to be amazing. It's got to be, Lord, over the top. And I have found myself in my life chasing clouds and chasing showers and missing him. A spiritual storm chaser. There's movies about these storm chasers and stuff. I'm not necessarily recommending any of that, but uh, the storm chasers are kind of a, a crazy crowd. They are a little, little bit crazy. They're adrenaline junkies. They take their life in their hands. They're always chasing the next big thing. And as soon as that one big thing is gone, we're going to the next. I heard there's a tornado in Kansas. Get in the car. Let's go. Let's chase another tornado. Ah. You know, that is not a good way to live the Christian life. It's also very dangerous. And there's a lot of casualties in that crowd. I have, I'm just being honest with you, I have found myself just again and again and again tempted toward that. Just chase the storms, chase the clouds. And when you do it, you find yourself, surprisingly, never satisfied. Just ask for rain. Just ask for him. Everything he gives is a big deal, remember? Don't get off track with the bright clouds and all the lightning, all the thunder. Ask for rain, and then God takes care of the rest, and he never lets you down. He never lets you down. By the way, by chasing the storm clouds, by chasing the great huge things, sometimes I think we inhibit God from being at liberty to give it. Because then we would take the glory for it. I prayed for that exact lightning and that exact thunder and that exact huge gully washer and I must have the faith of the ages because I called it down like Elijah of old. And, you know, wow. And God said, I can't share my glory. I would have actually loved to have done it. Was actually maybe planning on do it. Can't do it because you got to get out of the way. Ask for rain in the time of latter rain. In other words, I'm just depending on him in everything, drawing close to him in everything. When I think, I got it. I'm looking to him. And ultimately, here's the last application. Asking for rain results in everyone being satisfied by the grass of the field. Look at that verse. To everyone grass in the field. Now, this is something I'm very burdened about. If you're just a spiritual storm chaser, you never eat of the grass. You're always just running, 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 and chasing, chasing more, a bigger thing. There's something there, something there. Uh, you're, you're, you're not being fed. Asking for rain produces something that sustains you, nourishes you, and builds you. And if you're chasing something that doesn't do that, something's wrong. And that's not what this is about. I think for some, asking for rain is chasing a carrot. Sometimes it's a moving goalpost. We're never, ever quite there. There's never, ever really that move of God. We're never really quite sure if we're in revival or if it is revival. Well, we could have had it, but maybe some of us just weren't where we're supposed to be. And, and, and then there's pressure. Oh, I got to do more and pray harder and be better and blah, 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 blah. And it becomes this almost meritorious thing of seeking something from God as opposed to seeking God. I need to tell you, folks, asking for rain is not a tireless, fruitless, lifelong pursuit. How can asking for rain be so dry? If you're seeking something that is leaving you dry as dust, you have to have missed it. If you're seeking and seeking and seeking only to be less and less and less satisfied, you had to have missed it. According to this passage, it is simple. You ask of me rain in the time of latter rain. That means you're depending on me in everything. You're walking with me in everything. I will take care of the clouds. I will take care of the showers. And boy, they're gully washers. They're heavy, nourishing rains that cause the grass to spring up. And everyone gets, it says everyone. No one gets left out. No one gets left dry in this process. If you seek, you will find. 
to every one grass in the field. What is rain? It is the blessing from God. It is His presence. How do we get it? Ask. What does it result in? It results in Him giving the showers, giving the the clouds, and giving the nourishment. Looks like Jesus in your life, even in the routine things and the spectacular things, but it's Jesus as your dependence, nourishing you, sustaining you, and blessing you on an individual level as well as corporate levels. I want us to conclude with simply this. Ask for rain in the rainy season. Ask for rain in the time of latter rain. The things that you think you have a handle on, those things that you think uh, you can just take for granted, don't do it. Ask, depend upon Him. The, 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 uh, the road of revival is a road of dependence on Jesus Christ. For me, I think for many years, it was, it was a, 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 a chase. That's the next one. Don't chase lightning, thunder, and gully washers. Chase Jesus. Don't let anything keep you from being satisfied by the grass of the field that God is providing for you. He does nourish. He does sustain. Next week, we'll look at the promise of redemption. But I, 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 as we close, let me just ask again, are you looking to God in faith and dependence, asking for rain in your life, for your family, for our church, for our country, for God to move again? He gives the rain. He gives the showers. He gives the, uh, the, the display. Let's depend upon him and ask for rain. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you and look to you. Lord, thank you that you said if we seek, you'll be found. It's not a game of hide and seek. It's about us coming to you and trusting you. Lord, forgive me for how I have taken so much for granted. So much we think we can do on our own strength. Or we need to depend upon you. Even in the time of, of a rainy season when we think rain will just come, Lord, may we realize nothing just comes outside of your sending it. Make us God-dependent people, prayerful people who pray about everything, aren't afraid to ask for rain. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's stand to our feet and take a moment to, to, to talk to the Lord about the need of our heart. If God has touched your heart this morning, would you respond to him? Would you ask for rain in your life? Ask for rain in your family? Ask for a revival in our church and in our country? He is the blesser. He is the one that we need. Take a moment and talk to him. your Savior. It's no day, no day like today. I'd love to talk to you after the service. Either myself or someone else in the church can sit down and take a Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're saved. with a word of prayer. We'll look forward to being back tonight at 6 for our life groups. And uh, in the meantime, if, if there's a need that you have, please let me know. I'll ask Brother Jason Maynard if you'd close us in a word of prayer.